Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. Facebook or YouTube, we just want to welcome you to our service. If you'd like to help us or uh, present an offering to our work here in Carlsbad, you can send it to P.O. Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, 88220. And we love you and thank you that you're here. If you have a prayer request, just send it there on your computer and we'll get it and pray for you immediately. Let's turn in our Bible to John chapter 3, verse 5. The Gospel of John chapter 3, verse 5. You know, one day I was in one of my foul moods. Of course, you know, that's rare for me, but... And uh, it was in spring, and you know what happens every spring before things bud out and it becomes beautiful? The wind blows. And I was griping and saying, Lord, you've got control over everything. Why can't you calm this wind down and stop it? And God spoke to me very plainly. He said, if I stopped the wind, you'd all be dead. What? That's one of the major ways that seeds are carried from plant to plant to plant. And procreation takes place in the vegetative world. And what comes from trees and, and uh, the ocean and all of that? Oxygen. That's what we breathe. So wind has a very important place in our lives. Let's look at John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Get a hold of this now. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants to, and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it's coming from and where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Father, Bless this message today. May it reach hearts. And Lord, may you speak to all of us. In your name we pray. Amen. We are created in the image of God. God is one God, but he has three parts. He is the Father, he is the Son, and he is the Holy Spirit. I remember distinctly, uh, it's been 45 years ago when I first found out that Jesus was not just the Son of God, He is God. And then this Holy Spirit that everybody was talking about is not an it. He is a He. And He, when you go wherever it was you went to accept Christ as your Savior, whether it was on a pad or by your bed or in the bathroom or in the woods or wherever it was, when you said that prayer and you asked Jesus to forgive you, and you ask Jesus to come into your heart and be your Savior, everything on the cross that was done now applies to you. And then he sends you a gift. The Holy Spirit, God himself, 
comes and enters your body, and his spirit and your spirit do this. You are the house of God now, not this building, you. And so you, gotta take, you need to take care of your house, amen? But man is also triunal. We have a, a spirit, uh, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Now, when God made man, by the way, look at me, men and women are not animals. They teach that in school, and, and it's wrong. Of all the things that God created that moved, man was the only one as he created Adam, the first man. He knelt over him and placed his mouth over the nose and mouth of Adam and blew into him. And man became a nephesh. In the Hebrew, that means a living soul. When you gave your heart to Jesus, you the, the most important part of you is your spirit. That's the real you. When you accepted Jesus, you were saved instantly. If you died five minutes later, you'd go straight to heaven. However, you've got two other parts. Soul, which is your mind, your emotions, and your will. One of the hardest things you'll ever have to do is yield your will to him. Boy, we have some strong-willed people, don't we? Starts in childhood. Not that my son was strong-willed, you understand, but anyway. Uh, I thought I was going to get arrested one day. I, I, he had so many spankings, I thought, well, if the state comes by today, they're going to arrest me. He had a strong will. Now, now I don't know where he got it from his mother, I think. Anyway, anyway, your spirit is saved instantly, but God has to go to work on your other two parts, your soul and your body. The body is what you live in. If you're going to live in a physical realm, you've got to have a body. And your body and your soul, for that matter, both want to take control over you want to take your spirit, the real you, and kick it to the side. We're in charge. Your body says, feed me. Give me a drink. Sex me. Whatever your body's trying to put on you and your emotions, your soul. I'm going to hate that guy till the day I dies or he dies. I'll probably still hate him if he dies first. One day I was reading the Bible and the Lord said, if you won't forgive those who have hurt you, then I won't forgive you either. That was scary. There were some people in my life that I needed to forgive. didn't matter if they were there. Some of them lived in other towns. I just had to say by faith and mean it, Lord, I forgive them in Jesus' name. And I pray for them. And I pray, Lord, that you'll have your way in their life and that they will do your will. Amen? So we're not animals. We're a nephesh. Whatever is born into our lives is either flesh or it's spirit. Everything that starts in the flesh will end in the flesh, and everything that starts in the spirit ends in the spirit. Come on, I want you to settle your mind down and receive this. Don't ever settle for less than what God is trying to give you. 
Amen. Example of that in the Bible is Abraham and Sarah. God came to them, came to Sarah and said, Sarah, you're going to have a child. And the entire world, everyone who ever lived, will be blessed. Did you know that if you, I don't know if you're into this hereditary thing, you, you should trace your uh, grandfather, great-grandmother, great-grandfather all the way back. If you, kept, if you could do that all the way back, you'd come to Abraham, every one of them. Sarah kind of laughed because she had a problem. She was barren. She couldn't get pregnant. And so she settled for less than what God gave her. One day she had a handmaiden, Hagar. She takes this girl into their tent to Abraham and says, Here, have a child with her, and that will be the child of promise. And sure enough, she got pregnant and had a child, Ishmael. Look at me. Don't you ever settle for an Ishmael in your life. Now, God blessed Ishmael, not in the way that he uh, blessed Sarah and Abraham, because later Sarah did get pregnant. And she gave birth to a child named Isaac. And out of Isaac, through all of his lineage, down, 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 you come to Jesus. Jesus came out of the loins of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You getting this? Ishmael, what about him? One day, and I don't know, Hagar was not a lover of God. And uh, she would wait till Abraham wasn't around, and then she'd, she'd see Sarah, and she'd hold her son up and say, Hey, Sarah, look what I got. You ain't got one. And it made her angry. And she went to Abraham and said, I want this woman out of the camp, and I want her out now. Abraham loved his wife. And he prayed about it, and he did it. Stood there on the edge of the camp. He gave uh, uh, Hagar and Ishmael enough water for a week or whatever and some food and waved bye-bye and cried his eyes out as they walked into the desert alone. Why did he cry? Because that was his son. And God said, you don't need to worry. I will bless Ishmael, Ishmael as well. He blessed him not with the Messiah, but he blessed his lineage with people. How many of you know that out of Ishmael came the Arabs and Islam and millions upon millions of people? Don't you ever settle for an Ishmael in your life. Are you all listening to me? Ishmael is your fleshly attempt, listen, to help God. Remember that story they were bringing the ark back into Jerusalem? And it was on a cart. That was wrong in the first place. They'd been given instructions that there were two poles you put in the ark and the priests were to carry it and put it on a cart. As they're going down this old rough, ruddy road, one of the wheels falls into a hole and the ark starts teetering back and forth like it's going to fall. And a man reaches up thinking he was helping God and he steadied it. And what happened? It died instantly. How many of you know God doesn't need your help? Don't even offer it. You need his help. Those are stories that it takes us a long time to understand what was in the mind of God when that happened. But he's trying to teach you and I something about faith. 
And that's what I'm going to be talking to you about today, faith. Ishmael was born of the contriving and manipulation of a mindful, spiteful woman <laughs> who was able to ma manipulate and orchestrate affairs trying to help God get out of a corner. Oh, God, we got to help you because you promised a child and I can't have one. <laughs> so, Hagar, you go have this child. And how old was Sarah when she got pregnant? She was like 90 years old. And we know that can't happen today, but you have to remember back then people lived a lot longer than we do now. And so she got the surprise of her life. If we could really understand faith, there'd be a lot of things that we'd stop doing, I'm convinced. Because God really doesn't need anything from you to bring you out of the hole you're in. He can bring you out all by himself. The Bible says nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. I don't care if your marriage is in trouble, your job's in trouble, your finances are in trouble. And by the way, get a hold of one thing you can do, not to help God, but to help yourself, and that is to obey God, just like finances. God says tithe. A guy came to me once and said, well, now, Pastor, I'm confused. How much should I tithe? Should I tithe on my net or my gross? Good, good question. And I, I think he thought I'd tell him one or the other. You know what I told him? How much do you want to get blessed? It isn't I tithe, but we both also give offerings, a lot of offerings. And God has blessed us. My God has blessed us. My God has blessed us. It's like, let me tell you what we're like sometimes. It's like jumping. I used to be a lifeguard. And I saved a lot of people. And you jump in the water, somebody's thrashing around. They're going under, under. And when you get to them, it's not their fault. They're just trying to save themselves. But they fight you and try to climb on top of you so they can get above the water and breathe. When what they really need to do is stop and let you save them. Same with God. Stop. Stop. Stop what you're trying to do. Stop helping them. Stop manipulating your situation and trust him. That's what I'm talking to you about today. The drowning person's kicking, fighting. They're trying to help themselves. But they're kicking and fighting and trying to save themselves will only lead to their death and maybe yours too. There were a couple of times as a lifeguard I thought I had bought the farm because they had me underwater and were standing all over me and uh, I had to get pretty physical with them. I, I didn't want to die any more than they did. <laughs> and so let's be still and let's know that God is God. Amen? We must be sure it's God's Spirit. What we must do is be certain that at the root of our experience was born, it was born of the Spirit and not of the flesh. And you got to be careful about giving words and receiving, quote, words. Uh, for example, uh, I don't think you should ever receive a word when someone says, God says you're supposed to marry so-and-so. Well, it's easy for them to say because they're not going to marry so-and-so, you are. 
God says you need to quit your job, and in two weeks, he wants you to move to Moscow, Russia. Those are words. The Bible says, let all things be confirmed out of the mouths of two or three witnesses. The first thing you need to do is go to your pastor. And I'm not going to I'm not going to soft soap, but I'm going to tell you exactly what I think the Lord is saying. Let's look at Philippians very quickly. Philippians 1, verse 6. Philippians 1, verse 6, toward the end of your Bible. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I've asked God many times, Lord, how long will you put up with me? How long is this going to take? What he's trying to do is mold me and mold you into the image of his son Jesus. And there have been times I've fought him tooth and toenail. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. And I wanted to do it my own way. And finally I come under conviction and say, Lord, why don't you just give up on me? I'm not going to make it. And God says, I will never give up on you. Why did you love me, God? And God said, because I wanted to. I want to love you. You're not going to talk me out of it. And I want, listen, I want to forgive you. And God is the only entity that has this ability. He has the power to erase his memory bank concerning your sin and your life. I've said this to you before, but I know that in the end, many people are going to approach God. Say, God, I'm not worthy to be here. I guess you should just send me to hell because, you know, I did some horrible things. You remember that bad, bad thing I did back in 1972, that bad sin? What's he going to say? What sin? What are you talking about? He's removed it, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west. Why did God do that? Because you've got to be in a situation where you can rise up and walk in faith. And you can't do it if you're under condemnation. Condemnation is ruled by the devil, and he will use it to cheat you out of your ministry and out of the power. Listen, when that Holy Spirit came inside of you and joined with your spirit, he didn't come empty-handed. He came bearing gifts. He brought power. Jesus said, the things I have done you will do and greater things than these will you do. Because I go to the Father. Well, what did he do? He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He delivered those that were being held captive by demonic spirits. You have that same power. I've told you this many times. There's been three people raised from the dead in my ministry. And it wasn't because of me. God knows it was because of him. And being at the right place at the right time. And that's God's business making sure you get to the right place where somebody's going to need you. There have been times that I prayed. I was out. Uh, we were living out off the Old Cavern Highway a few years ago, and uh, we were coming home from church. And I was just about a quarter of a mile from the stop sign, and there was an unbelievable wreck. A man on a motorcycle had his son on the back, and traveling at a high speed of uh, high rate of speed, he ran the stop sign and hit a car. His son was thrown over his head and landed in the dirt way over there. Thank God, because he lived. The man slammed his entire body into that car. 
I was the first one that got to him. But he was dead. And I prayed, just like I did the other three times, but this time nothing happened. He died and he stayed dead. It grieved me. I figured that boy was his son. What son doesn't need his father? But I'm not in control of these things. But God says if you'll be obedient and if you'll make yourself available, you will see miracles. You know, I don't think Jesus healed everybody. He healed everybody that he talked to or laid hands on or spoke to, but he didn't heal everybody in Jerusalem and everybody in Israel. He was he took on the physical form of a man. He could only be in one place at one time, and the largest crowd he ever spoke in front of front of was about 5,000. Billy Graham, he's dead now. Praise God for his ministry, though. Years ago in South Korea, he had a four-night revival out in a big field, an agricultural field. The last night of the revival, over a million, now get this, a million people showed up in that field. He gave the altar call and 60,000 people walked down to the front and gave their hearts to Jesus. Liz gave me a calendar yesterday and it shows these two Arab men. I thought, I'm not putting that on my... Who was it? Was it from... Uh, yeah, Francis Graham, uh, Billy's son. Franklin, yeah. And... Uh, but then I started looking at the picture. They, these men both had their heads covered. And they, obviously, they were uh, Arab, Islamic-looking people. And I look, they were both reading in a, in a book. And I looked, and on the back of the book, it said, The Bible. I changed my mind. Maybe I will hang that on the wall. When the, when the uh, movie, The Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson, and Mel's a sinner deluxe, trust me, alcoholic, but God used him to make that movie. It's one of the most powerful movies I've ever seen, and he got it right. They, after the movie was shown in America, they took it all over the world. There were countries like Israel refused it. They wouldn't let it in the country. Every Arab country they took that movie to said, yeah, we'll take it. Thousands and thousands of Muslim people, Arabs, came and watched that film, and they cried, and they wept, and they were beside themselves, and they, they came out of the theater, and you know what they were asking for? We're going to get a Bible. Who, who's got a Bible? They were asking for a Bible. They, they know about Jesus, but they've been taught that Jesus is just a man, might be a prophet or a teacher, but God or the Son of God, oh, no. See, they think you, and so the Jews, think you worship three gods because of this trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How many gods are there? There's only one God. They can't get it, and, and you know the reason they can't get it is because it has to be revealed. It has to be spiritually revealed. Some of you are missing out on so much because you won't or you can't get out of your flesh and get into the Spirit. I've told you over and over again, when you come to church and the music starts and worship starts, either come to the front or you kneel down by your chair and do something. But here's what you ought to pray. Lord, during this worship time, I'm asking you to come and speak to me. 
I'd love it if it was audibly, but Lord, if it's just in my heart and in my mind, I'll take that. And then close your mouth, zip it shut, and listen. 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 You know, some of you, God's been trying to give you a word for years. And you're either too busy or you're you're going around like a, well, I don't know like what, but you're running and you're running and you're running and you haven't got time to stop and listen. And God's trying to tell you exactly what you need to know, how to do it, and where to go. But you're too busy. So things that are born out of the Spirit sometimes, listen to this, can still bring trouble. Just because you get out of the place of getting the Spirit doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. You are. In fact, you may have a few more because now the devil, the enemy of your soul, knows that you are seeking God. And he doesn't like, why does Satan hate God so much? Because he's jealous. He's filled with pride. Of all the things that God made in the heavens before the man, Satan was the most beautiful. He was called Lucifer, son of the morning. Most scholars believe his body was made out of musical instruments. He was in charge of all the worship in heaven. But God gave him one of the gifts that he gives you, which is a free will. That's because when you say to God, God, I love you, he wants to know you mean it. And you're not just saying it because you're a robot and he has programmed you to say it. He wants you to mean it in your heart. Lucifer was thinking one day, I'm second, I'm second, I'm tired of being second. I want to be first, but if I can't be first, I ought to at least be equal with God. I'm just as good as him. I'm going to sit on the sides of the north with God. I want to be just like him. I may just overtake him. For that sin, he was cast out of heaven. Now, I don't know, this must have been going on for quite some time because one-third of all the angels, we don't know how many angels there are. There may be billions, but one-third of all of them sided with Lucifer. And God said, Lucifer, I'm changing your name to Satan. I'm taking away your body, and I'm casting you down into the atmosphere around earth, this planet. And these fallen angels, we call them demons. Now, listen, I want to share something with you. You may not understand possession and deliverance from demons. Why do demons want to get in your body? It's because they lost theirs. And God cast them down into a realm that is physical in nature. They don't have hands anymore. They don't have a mouth anymore. They don't have feet anymore. Can you imagine how frustrating that could be if you were like that? And so these demons want to get in you so they can use your mouth and your hands and your feet. But, but listen, they can't just jump on you. You've got to let them in. But don't be fooled. You start walking in the flesh, taking drugs, pornography, you can open a door and they can come in. Let me tell you how to know if you have a demonic thing going on in your life. It is in control and you're not. No matter how you try to control it, it won't listen. But let me tell you something. When you start pleading the blood of Jesus, Satan, I bind you, I rebuke you, get out in Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus is against you. They'll run. They'll run. They're terrified. 
of the blood of Jesus. Now let's uh, let's very quickly go to Romans chapter eight, verse five. Romans chapter eight, verse five. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity, it's an enemy against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You've got to get in the spirit. The carnal mind cannot discern the things of God. Amen? God cannot be proven or explained. He must be revealed. He must be revealed by faith, and faith is in direct contradiction to your intellect or your brain, no matter how smart you In fact, you know, you know in society today who the people are that have the hardest time getting saved or accepting Jesus? The smart people, the intellects, the geniuses. They just cannot accept it because... They can't understand that spiritual things can't be defined by physical things. You know, there comes a point where you have to stop questioning God and just receive it. Lord, I receive it. That, by the way, look at me. That's, that's the problem with speaking in tongues. One day after a meeting, it was hard, man. I was having to teach and and in, in that meeting, there it was something like 30 people baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues. But after that meeting, I said, Lord, why are people in the world having such a hard time with this thing called baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues? You know what he said to me? Bad teaching. Bad teaching. We've got pastors out there. You come up to receive this. They'll grab your chin. It happens by faith. Something clicks, and you realize that it's a 50-50 miracle. Look at me. It's 50% God, and it's 50% you. And why is that? Because God gives you the words. You have to do the speaking. You have to yield up your mouth and speak. Now, here's a, here's a very important thing. You won't understand a word you're saying. Oh, God, why do you do these things to us? What do you mean I'm not going to understand what I'm saying? This is crazy. Sometimes you're not supposed to understand what you're praying because you pray in the flesh. I told you what God, I was praying that God let me win the lottery. It was about $20 million. You know what God said, John? If I let you win the lottery, you'd end up on the beach in Rio de Janeiro with a woman you're not married to. He told me that. So I'm sorry, dear. We could have got the lottery, but it's all your fault. And i got to be honest with you, I'd rather have what I have, I'm being honest with you, than have $20 million in some woman who doesn't know the Lord. You can't get the peace that this woman brings me without the Lord. I can't receive what I need on a daily basis without her strength, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Boy, I got high on myself one day. Lord, I got to have a word from you. I've been praying for two weeks. Where's the word? He said, go to your wife. She's got it. 
What? Men, don't be afraid to go to your wives. That's right, Aggie. They're gifts. All of you ladies are a gift. Don't ever forget that. The Bible says in Mark 10, 15, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Stop questioning God. We want to know the reason for everything. We want everything to be explained. We want everything proven. But God is looking for someone who will just believe Him. Where is somebody that will believe God in here? Anybody? Will you believe God? Just one hand, I see, two. We've got to start somewhere. Abraham dared to believe in God. Finally, <laughs> and God said, I'm calling you my friend. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Faith, listen, this is tough. Faith is like legal tender. It's like money in the heavenlies. It works just like money does in the natural world. And some of you need to start spending your faith. That means put it into use. Exercise it. Speak it out of your mouth. And you remember Hebrews 11.1 says, listen to this carefully, faith is the substance of things that are hoped for. Now, when you hope for something, you haven't seen it, have you? But when you hope and you start believing by faith that you have it, you'll, it becomes a substance. A substance is something that you can touch and experience with your five senses. This is faith. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I know that screws up the screws and the, the springs in your brain, but you've got to get it in down into your spirit. God wants to know that you're not in rebellion to him, but you are his friend, you are his partner, 50% God, 50% you. God does the miracle, you do the believing. Come on. You're not just like some puppet. You are a living, breathing entity, and God wants to bless you. When you want something in the spirit world, you get it by faith. A couple of weeks ago, we had some people up here wanting the baptism. Don Smith was here. How many of you were here that night? He'd been struggling for years. I don't know if it's something I said. Probably not. Something God did. Probably so. And he just suddenly broke out in this most beautiful language. Beautiful. Beautiful language. God's good, isn't he? How else are you going to get your healing if it's not by faith? How else are you going to get your deliverance if it's not by faith? You can't buy your healing. You can't pay to get delivered. Amen? So then faith, the Bible says in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's where faith comes from, by the word. And that's why church is so important because I'm going to be honest with you, and you've heard me say this before. Some of you, the only word you're getting is right here today. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I just wonder how many are you of you are reading your Bible every day. My wife gets up long before I do. She goes into the living room, sits in a chair, no TV, turns on the light, gets her Bible out every day. Spends time in the Word and with God. Thank God for her. 
Faith comes by hearing, but let me tell you something else. Your faith is reinforced when you combine the word plus experience. First one or two or three times that you grasp faith and you exhibit faith and you win, that's called experience. And suddenly your trust of God goes up exponentially. And next thing you know, you're not struggling so much to believe because you've already believed and you saw it happen. So you know you can believe now and see it again. Faith plus experience equals reinforced. I'm sorry, the word plus experience equals reinforced faith. Remember what we already read this, but in John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, follow me on this. There are three minds, M-I-N-D-S, minds. The ungenerated mind is the mind of the sinner. And then the next one is the spiritual mind. That is the Christian who has has and is renewing his mind day by day. Now, you're not going to believe this, but the third one is the carnal mind, and it is associated with Christians. The carnal mind is the Christian that is still receiving signals and being led by his flesh and not by the Spirit. It's a desire. Before you met Jesus, you were into pornography or whatever you were into. And you thought, well, the day I got saved, I got delivered from that. A week goes by, a month, a year. Next thing you mind your own business, and suddenly that desire that, that was an obsession in your life suddenly sneaks its, its way back into your heart. That's why, ladies, you've got to be very careful about the way you dress. You know, we, I don't know. Say, well, you can't wear pants. And, no. But you've got, be, uh, you've got to use good taste and be careful because men are motivated by what they see. Amen? Most of you ladies are motivated by what you see. We call that romance. Men, what they see. Keep that in your heart. Sometimes when we try to receive the things of the Spirit, we can't because we're trying to receive it with a carnal mind. We need to stop and lay hands on, my, on your own head and say, Lord, renew my mind. Please, Lord, renew my mind. Renew my mind, Father. Help me to think the way you think. Abraham prayed first when he and Lot were deciding what they were going to do. They weren't getting along. Abraham did a strange thing. He said, Lot, take whatever you want. Well, naturally, Lot said, I want all the green land for my sheep and where the grass grows, and you can have the rest. So when Abraham went to God about that, God said, Abraham, open your heart and your spirit. Lot got what his flesh could see, but Abraham, I'm going to give you all that you can see in the spirit. He said, turn around 360 degrees, just like God told Moses. Everything that you can see, it's yours. I don't know if you know this or not, but country of Israel is only a small piece of what God gave. Half the size of New Mexico. At its narrowest point, Israel is only nine miles wide. Syria is actually Israel. 
Most of Egypt belongs to Israel. Now, you can't tell that to some people because they'll go crazy. The Arab Muslim religion, for example, do you know that it only began in 600 A.D.? A.D., not B.C., A.D. Israel and the Jewish faith began thousands of years ago. And through every infirmity that you can think of, they're still here. Why? Because they're God's children, and God said, I give you my promise. You're going to have this and that. I'm going to, in the last days, I'm going to bring you back into the land. Nobody thought that was possible. May the 14th, 1948, Israel stood up in a meeting and said, we are now a free nation again. And they took it over because it was theirs. Oh, man, they threw fits. The Muslims threw fits. It was, they had not, the Israel had not been in control of Israel, uh, their nation since 70 A.D. when the Romans burnt the place to the ground. They tore down the temple block by block and threw the blocks down into the, the canyons around the peninsula that the temple was built on. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The word moved in Hebrew is raka. Everybody say raka. Move. The Hebrew word move means to, it means that God had to brood, to flutter, and to move, and to shake. That's what he did over Adam. He brooded over him like a mother hen broods over her eggs. And that's what many of you in here, if not most of you, need. You need a move of God in your life. How many of you need a move? You need a move in your life. Some of you just plain religion. Well, I come to church because I know that's what I'm supposed to do. But I listen, you need to get alone with God, not you can do it at church, but go home today after this is over. Go in the bathroom. Lock the door. Sit on the throne. <laughs> you need to. And get with God and pray, Lord, I right now I'm yielding my spirit, my mind, every part of me I'm yielding to you. Lord, please speak to me and I will hear your voice. You'll be amazed at what, what will happen to you. You need a racha, a move of God to be hatched in your life. Lord, I, I won't let you go. You remember what the one guy said, Lord, I'm not going to let you go. Uh, we're wrestling. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. God could have killed him with a snap of a finger, but he was looking for something, a desire. Let, let me ask you something. Where, where is your desire? What's happened to it? When I first found out there was a God who gave my heart to I was so filled with desire, it beyond belief. I'd never been to church in my life. I was 22 years old. There weren't any charismatic churches like this back then. We, we, we were going to these Bible studies in people's homes. And the guy that I used to know, he was a real loser, if you want to know the truth, but he'd gotten saved. Came by my house one day and said, look, there's a Bible study in town. You, you want to go with me? Oh, okay. So uh, it, was, it was just down the street, down the church street. And uh, I noticed, went by the house, and he said, that's where it is, but he kept driving. About a, went about a half a block down the street and parked. 
And when we got out of the car, I noticed he's walking like this. Now, he's a Christian, but he's in the flesh. He was embarrassed. He didn't want anybody to see him going into this Bible study. I noticed when we got there, we didn't go in the front door. We went in the back door into the kitchen. And the kitchen led to the living room, and all these people were in there. There were two seats left behind a huge square. Have you ever seen a square grand piano? That's what this was. First one I ever saw. And we snuck behind that piano and sat down. And we were like two turkeys. Every once in a while we'd stick our heads up above the piano and look. And a lady named Peggy White from Artesia, how many of you remember her? And uh, she, uh, she was preaching. She stopped. And she said, the Lord tells me we're supposed to pray for you. And she pointed at me. And I went. There wasn't anything, nothing there but a wall. No, she said, you. Okay. And I bowed my head. No, 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 no. I want you to come up here. And they put a chair out in the middle of the room. And I walked up there meekly and sat in the chair, closed my eyes. The next thing I know, there all these hands were being put on me. The guy behind me was praying in Chinese. I asked somebody after me, hey, that guy over there, who is that? That's Dr. Wallen. He's a chiropractor here in town. Well, how long has he been in the country? Because he was speaking Chinese a while ago. No, no, he's from America. He was probably praying in tongues. In tongues? And I don't remember exactly what they prayed, but this Peggy White prayed over me that I would receive all that God had for me. I needed a, mo a move, a racha. I needed a move of the Lord. This is my first closing. I want you to look at Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 7. Brings us back to the wind. Ezekiel 37, verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them uh, above, but there was no breath in them. Watch this. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, <coughs> excuse me, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Most scholars believe this thing about the bones is talking about the nation of Israel. They had been defeated by every country on the earth, sometimes more than once. They'd been killed. In the, uh, we've, I was talking to Leslie before, she's a third generation German. She said, does that make me responsible for the Holocaust? No. Are you getting this? The Holocaust, six million Jews, six million dead. Two million of those were children. Slaughtered, put in gas chambers, told that they were going to go in there together. They took all their clothes off. And they went in there naked, men, women, and children. There were shower heads all over the, the room. They waited for the water. And next thing you know, they heard a pssss. 
and gas started coming through those shower heads. Deadly gas. And they all died. This happened over and over. Their bodies, now listen to this. You need to know this. Before they were disposed of, people would come and pull the gold fillings out of their teeth. Anything that was of value. They take they took their clothes, they stole those. Took the gold fillings out of their teeth. Then they took their bodies and put them in the furnaces and burned them. Why? Because they wanted to cover the evidence. What? You know, uh, Hitler was not a Christian, I don't believe, but I think he thought he was. What Christian who's ever read any of the New Testament in particular would ever, think, would ever think that it was okay with God to kill anybody? Are you getting this? Oh, God, help us. Ezekiel preached and he prophesied the word of God to the bones. And God said, speak to the wind. When the wind came, there was life. That's what we need, that racha, that wind to come in our life to blow away all of the ugliness and the doubts and the, and the, and the stuff that's been told to us that's not true. Everybody look at me. I want to tell you the truth. God loves you deliriously. I don't care what you've done. I don't care if you've had an abortion. I prayed with a guy over at Oasis one day that had, was in the Mexican mafia, and he had murdered, murdered eight people in Mexico, killed them dead. He, he came to this country, became a citizen. Now, I didn't go on the phone, call the cops. I didn't think that was my business. But as he was in my office crying, got on his knees and asked God to forgive him and save him, and he's saved to this day. What about those eight people he killed? We prayed for them too. I've lost count of the number of women that have been in my office that have had abortions, and they all weep because, listen, you think abortion's easy. It's not. The taking of a small child's life, that's not easy. And listen, if, that, if that's happened to you, you need to understand there's forgiveness. Look at your neighbor and say, there's forgiveness. I know there's forgiveness. And then, God is so good, isn't he? I'm going to read one more scripture. I want everybody to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. This was after Jesus was resurrected and after he left and went back into the heavens. He flew, by the way. He told them, I want you to go to the upper room, the same place they had the Last Supper. I want you to wait there until you are endued. That means that word means filled with power from on high. Now, there weren't just the 12 disciples in that room. There were 120 men, women, and children in that room. Get that in your mind. 
they're all sitting there. Well, did he tell you what it was going to be? Well, he, he just, it's something about the spirit. I don't know what that is. You, listen, they didn't know a whole lot. But they were there with excitement in their spirits. Because if it comes from Jesus, it's got to be good. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, that's a, that's a Jewish feast day. They still celebrate it today. They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All 120 men, women, and children. Picture this. They're in the room. Maybe there was a sound of a trumpet, but they look up and a ball of fire is roiling like this on the ceiling. And as they look at it, a tongue, a piece of fire comes down and sits upon all 120 of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And suddenly they opened their mouths and other languages came out. They got so excited, they rushed down out of the room. It's on the day of Pentecost. It's one of the busiest feast days of the year. And they run down into the streets, and they're speaking in tongues, and there's people from all over the known world said, how's that, how's that person speaking my language? He's, he, I know he's from here. And then Peter, the fisherman, the lover of Jesus, and also, may I say, the coward, Oh, Jesus, if they come to get you, they'll have to take me too. Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, before the night's over, you'll deny that you even know me. Oh, never would I do that. And that's exactly what happened. If you want to know what the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit will do for you, look at the life of Peter. Suddenly, suddenly, look at me. Suddenly. Something overcomes Peter. It's called power. He's not afraid anymore to die. Go ahead. And by the way, he did give his life. They crucified him. And when he, he went to be crucified, he said, Please, don't crucify me standing up. I don't deserve to be killed the way Jesus was. So they turned him upside down and crucified him like that. He got up on a high place in the street. Hey! Yeah, you, you hypocrite, get over here. i got to tell you something. He used those kinds of words. Do you realize what you've done? You have crucified, killed the Son of the living God, the Messiah. But don't worry, he's here, and he wants to save you. And the preaching of the gospel began that day. More people were healed, more people baptized in the Holy Spirit, more people speaking in tongues, power power, power, and it continues to this day, if we'll allow it. Amen? I love all of you. I guess the reason I'm preaching a word like this to you today is because I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to find God and ask Him what He's called you to do. What are you here for? Close your eyes. Let's pray. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. We believe in you. 
there's anybody here today you're not sure you're even going to heaven you just lift your hand up I'll make we'll make sure raise your hand if you're not sure you're saved don't leave here without the Lord in your life is there anybody is there anybody here today who would like to be baptized in the spirit of the living God that's never happened come on up here anybody else come on lift your hands up come right over here brother you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and receive your prayer language. What's your first name? John Warren. John, you ready for this? Is there anybody who wants to join him? This is your friend? Well, come up here and you can stand with him. Lord, you come and anoint him with oil. And John, is Jesus living in your heart? Here, let me see. John, is Jesus living in your heart? And you've asked him to forgive you? Okay, good. You ready? Now, do you have any questions about the baptism before I pray? Ask him anything you want. Yes, sir. I can't. I had a cancer two months ago. I had kids then. Well, I thank God's able to reach down inside of you and touch your spirit regardless of the accident. You believe that? Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray, and we're all going to pray with you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and you're going to ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And when you ask him, he's going to do it just like that. Now, you might feel something, and you might not. When I got it, I didn't feel anything. But a lot of people say, well, I felt a warm thing going up down my back, and I felt I felt tingling. That's okay. But it's okay if you don't feel anything. But then we're going to all, all of you going to help me with this? We're going to open our mouths and start speaking in tongues. And you're going to have to yield your mouth to him and start speaking, not English, not Spanish. English, not English, not Spanish. You, you understand? And the words that come out of your mouth will be real. You won't understand them. You're not supposed to. You ready? Okay, hold hands with him. All right, all of you pray this with John. You ready, John? Close your eyes. Say this prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that you have saved me. You live in my heart, and I love you. And I also know that you've given gifts to the church, and I'm part of the church. So, so right now, Lord, I ask you to baptize me in the Spirit of God, and I receive it by faith, in Jesus' name, everybody said, now everybody open your mouth, start speaking in tongues. Now you have to do the speaking, John. Just don't worry about it. Just let the words come out. That's it. That's it. Oh, that's nice. Oh, speak it louder. You're in control of it. He's going to give you some more words. You ready? Lord, while we're praying, I'm praying for healing for his brain, his mind, his head, the swelling 
He will go down and not ever come back. And this man will become a lover of the Lord. And he will, uh, ru- he will rule and reign with Jesus. And he will obey his Lord and do what God has called him to do. In Jesus' name. Now everybody stop. Now do you think, John, look at me. Do you think you could speak again in tongues right now? Let's do it. Louder, you're in control. Water. It's nice. Now listen, I don't want you to get hung up on the same words. He's going to give you more words. Now, when you get home today, I want you to go in the bathroom and, or somewhere. You live by yourself? Okay. 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 Yeah, you just go in the bathroom somewhere where you can be alone, and I want you to close your eyes and speak in tongues again. Now, the more you use it, the bigger it'll get, and the more words it'll give you. Amen. Did you feel anything? Where? All over. Yeah. You feel good? Yes, he has. Give him a hand. Okay, y'all go sit down. Thank you, John. See, it's not as hard as you think. Some of you have given up because you couldn't speak in tongues when somebody prayed for you. The real truth is you didn't speak in tongues. Not that you couldn't, you didn't. You have to you open your mouth and use it. Ah, I was in a Bible study one night. There were some two missionaries there from Hungary. I gave a message in tongues, which I very rarely ever do, and, and I interpreted it. And after the meeting, we were in the kitchen having a snack, and these two people came up to me weeping. They took me back in the back bedroom and said, how long have you known how to speak Hungarian? I said, I don't. I said, well, that message you gave was perfect Hungarian. And when you gave the interpretation word for word, exactly what you gave in Hungarian. Man, I flew home that night. I want to say God bless you. I want you to hug on somebody before you leave and you're dismissed. May God bless you. You're watching by... This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.